0: Well, amen, and what a wonderful time of worship, and again, glad you're here this morning. Now, if you missed out on the marriage workshop yesterday, the Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage event, you really missed something fun. Now, if you came to it, did you enjoy it? All right, it was good. It was really nice. We spent the afternoon laughing and having fun, and just enjoying some fellowship and food, and it was great. Now, I'm tell you, the... Um, the, I don't know what everybody learned, what different things they took away from it, but I do know that the women, the, the wives, certainly learned something yesterday. I can tell you this, that, that from, the, from the video we watched, the time we had together, the, the ladies certainly got the answer to the question that they love to ask of their husbands, or they'd want to ask of their husbands, What you thinking about? What you thinking about? Now if you were there yesterday you learned the answer to that question even if you don't ask it because when your husband is there sitting at home watching the TV and you want to say, "What you thinking about?" If you came yesterday, what's the answer to it? Nothing, nothing not a thing and we are thrilled about it. I mean, we could not be happier that we're sitting there in our nothing box not thinking about a thing. We love it. Now, we, the guys, the husbands, did not get to learn what the wives are thinking about. I mean, it was only a four-hour conference, not a four-week conference. We didn't have enough time to get all that in. Um, well, what the guys did learn is they're thinking so many things, we better tread carefully. man. there's so many things going on, so many thoughts happen at one time. If we touch on one of them, we're going to mess the whole system up. So we better watch Wow. See, guys are so simple to try to figure, because we like, we you know, we go after one thing at a time, and there's only about five things we choose to think about, so you're in pretty good shape guessing kind of what's on our minds, what our motivation is. Women, it's not as easy. You know, our guys, right, you know, we're thinking, we're kind of laughing about it in the conference yesterday of all the things going on in the wife and in, in the woman's mind of the different emotions and feelings and getting them with all that and it's tough now i'm not i'm not being rude to our, our ladies here because i'm not saying you know guys are better like this i hear some of you ladies you can't figure out other women i have i've had ladies come in my office counseling going well why did she say this and why did she do that and i say, now you know how i feel all the time i don't know i wish i could figure it out it's not nearly as easy Maybe it's a good thing I'm leaving out of the country in a couple of days. I'll be gone. I'm about to get myself in a lot of trouble, John. So you catch the heat next week while I'm out. So I bet you did. So, all right. Now, this attitude sometimes, this process, we can go with, what's going on? What are you thinking about? You know, and and having this confusion of what's really going on up there. You know, it's even more difficult... When it comes to God, because sometimes you know we have struggles in our personal relationships of wondering what's going on in the other person's mind, what's their thoughts, what's their plans, what's their will for the for this particular situation. We don't always understand it, but when it's God, it's even more difficult because we get to God and we say, "God, what are you? What are you doing here? You know why? Why did you allow this to happen?" It's a challenge sometimes. You know, we look at God and we, especially when we find ourselves in a mess, when life's kind of falling apart around us and things haven't been going so well, we want to look at God and say, God, why are, Why have you allowed this? What's going on in, in you? What are you thinking about over me? What are your plans? What are What is your will? And if sometimes we get frustrated with one another not understanding the motivations behind each other, it can be a spiritual especially difficult with God I know I found myself there before by just kind of looking at God in frustration and God I wish I could figure out your plan your will your thoughts over my life right now and when I can't understand it it's difficult and some people get lost they just get completely lost and overwhelmed in this trying to understand God what is your will in this What is your plan in this? God, what are you trying to tell me? God, give me the sign. I mean, we're just trying to constantly figure God out, and some people get so frustrated and so locked up just trying to figure out what God's plans are for them. But you know what? That's not how God intends us to operate. In fact, this morning as we continue on in our series that we've been in, 1 Corinthians, a healthy family, a growing family as we continue on this morning as we're in part five we're going to talk about the mind of christ it's it's a quote from scripture that we're going to look at in our passage this morning the mind of christ in fact we're going to see that if we are in christ we have in fact been given the mind of christ and we're gonna say what does that mean in simplest terms it's this that we have the ability to understand what god's plans are over us what his thoughts are for us but it has to happen by his way not by our way it's really something awesome when we learn to approach God the right way we don't get so worried and so lost of just trying to divine God's special will and figure out this little thing over here but instead we just can live in a relationship with him that we understand what he wants for us it's really something special I want you to see this morning let's look at scripture again we've just been going verse by verse the book of corinthians and we're going to continue on this morning Sarah in chapter two picking up in verse six as as paul continues to deal with these people who have been wanting to live by their own wisdom by their own way by their own desires and plans listen to what he says starting at verse six six it says this we do however speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Let's keep reading. It says this, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to mere merely human judgments, for who knows the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But listen to this. But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. Now, I don't know, I, sometimes I know you read through Scripture and we get into some of those New Testament letters and some of what Paul wrote and God directed, and it's all good and it's, it's deep, but you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to really stay engaged. And here's a passage that we have a lot of things going on. And he's talking about being spirit-taught and the wisdom of the world and foolishness. And, man, I, I'm right there with you. Sometimes I, I'm reading, even I'm reading through the Scripture, I'm going... What did he just say? You know, we kind of get lost through some of this. And so, but sometimes we, we forget to go back and really get the core message of what's going on. And the way this passage ends is so beautiful if we understand it. It says that but we, and who's we? It's those, those who have received Christ as Savior. We've been given a gift. We have been given the mind of Christ. Paul laid out a good question. It says, who can really know someone else's thoughts? In truth, you cannot know my thoughts. I only, only God and myself know what's going on right here. Thankfully, it's not much going on right here, but still, only me and God know it. And I don't know exactly what's going on in your mind, what's in your heart right now, but God does. And so it makes sense when we look at God... God determined at first, says, how can we know what God's thoughts are, what His will is for us, what His plans are for our life, because God is over there, and the Bible tells us His thoughts are not our thoughts, and His ways are not our ways. But it says, praise the Lord, but we, those of us who've given our life to Christ, have been given the gift of, of the mind of Christ. It means simply this we have been given access to God so that we can understand His will, His thoughts, His plans for us. Now that's pretty awesome. That is an awesome thing to know that God has given me the privilege through my relationship with Christ to know His ways, His thoughts. His plans over me. Because I need to know that. And the Bible tells us, this passage tells us that this comes to us. These things come to us by the Spirit. It's not something we learn. It's not something we can go just figure out. The Spirit of God teaches us these things. You see, that again I go back to where so many people get lost and is trying to come to God like He's a fortune teller. I mean, tell me you haven't one time been in trouble and go, all right, I'm just gonna open my Bible and all right, let's see if it's got something for me today. In the 37th year of exile, Jehoiakim King. All right, that's not gonna do it. Let's try another one, you know. And and that is not what God said to do. Okay? We don't we don't get to come to God like we gotta find the magical verse. Or just say, all right, God, give me the sign. I'm looking everywhere for the sign. You show me, the, oh, God, you just, you know, my, my light went out today. That must mean this. You know, I'm, we're looking for, I'm trying to divine God's will. I'm trying to understand your, no, okay, so God did not say come to us like this. In fact, Scripture tells us that we can cross the line with this and and get into sin when we're trying to truly divine something. In fact, he said, don't do that. He said, don't rather than try to, you know, some people, again, took it into you know, some really pagan things and some really um, evil things of trying to understand God's will. That's not what He wants from us. So I want to show you a few things about what it is to understand the thoughts of God, the mind of Christ in us. We need to kind of point out a few important things we saw in the passage. First of all, first of all is this. It tells us, in fact, it was in uh, um, verse 7. It says that Uh, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden. So first of all is this, we know that God's will is mysterious and hidden. Now that seems frustrating, but I'm going to tell you, that's an awesome thing of God. Again, what that means for us is that we cannot ourselves figure out determine divine God's will how can we understand it only by his revealing it the only way we can understand the things of God and who God is is when he chooses to reveal it to us it's all it's all about him I don't get to earn my way. I don't get to do say the prayer the right way and suddenly figure out what he's got for me next. God reveals it and his things are hidden. Again, that's an awesome thing. That means so I cannot take credit. That's why when you hear somebody say, "Well, I figured out this thing about God and you know, I, I unlocked this mystery and I did I'd watch out That's somebody saying, I did it. God said, you can't get my thoughts, my will, and my plan on your own. It's hidden. It's mysterious. In fact, he's telling us, if it wasn't that way, there's no way they would have crucified Jesus. Because Jesus came, he said who he was and what he was there to do. And the people said, that's foolishness, let's kill him. Because they could not understand the mind and the thoughts and the plans of God, it seemed foolishness to them. Because they thought, "I can divine my own understanding of God's wants and desires." It's kind of like this, you know. I, I, you heard earlier; many, many of you already knew that I'm leaving early Tuesday morning. You know, plane going to Israel. I'll be there for a better part of the next two weeks, and really going to enjoy it. I, I am truly blessed that at this point in my life, this is basically my fourth time to go to Israel. I would have never thought that would have happened for my life, but just been blessed to do it. I'm going to get to spend time with uh, David Lazarus from Beta Manuel. That's our kind of sister congregation uh, over there in Tel Aviv. They have a just a congregation full of, they're mainly, they're mainly Messianics, uh, so Jewish believers in Christ. They have Arab Christians. They have Gentiles. They you know all kinds of, you know, background, and we're going to spend some few days with them. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to go back. Israel is one of the places that anytime I get a chance to go, man, I am in for it because I've always been blessed going over there. I've never been over there a time where I haven't just just had some kind of awesome experience and learned something new and seen something new. But I tell you, the very first time I went, this was six years ago, I really got disappointed. You know, I went on the trip. My first time going, I'd never been to Israel before. I'm thinking, man, I cannot wait to get over there and just see this place where Jesus walked. I want to be able to just see the Bible and actually I mean, experience what it was like then. And so we got there, and the first four or five days we spent in Jerusalem, and about the first two or three days, I was just so I mean, dejected, almost upset. And here's why. Because as we traveled through the city, I mean, obviously it's a modern city and there's buildings and houses and high rises everywhere. I mean even the old stuff you see is not near as old as the time of Jesus Christ. I now mean, you realize this if you ever see on TV or in magazines the pictures of they call it the old city and the walls on Jerusalem and stuff you're almost you have to have a very very trained eye to see anything that goes back to Jesus day or back further. Which almost everything you're seeing is actually a few hundred years after jesus because just again there's there were wars and all the back and forth and things were being built up and torn down it's just changed so many times so when you go to the city when you're kind of expecting to see what it was like in bible times and be able to see some of the things right there you're going Man, i'm not seeing it and i really felt just so disappointed going how am i supposed to understand the bible in a better way if i can't even see if it's changed so many times i think it was on the third day we went on a tour, and I'll go on it again this year. It's my absolute favorite tour uh, over there. It's called for the City of David Archaeological Site. Now, obviously, some of you know that Jerusalem is known as the City of David, but this site is just one very small portion. It's basically ancient Jerusalem. In fact, it's only uncovered this particular area. It was only uncovered about 150 years ago. It's only been open to the public probably 20 years uh, as they've excavated and done work. It was covered over with mounds of trash for hundreds of years. What they didn't understand was this was the particular area where the oldest parts of Jerusalem really were. And you go on this tour and you start it by watching a video. And you go in this little room and and they show this 3D kind of movie of the site trying to explain what you're going to see. And I was sitting there and I suddenly it was just like the light came on. Because this is little watching this video, and basically it's kind of digitally, you know, stripped away all the modern. And it kind of went back and laid it to where it was in Bible times, first in David, and then and then the years kind of as it progressed. And you watch this video and then you could go right out from the room where you watched the video and you're staying on a big hill and you could just look down. And everything you saw in the video is just like, I mean, you could see it. And it was, it's one of the most oddest, but just the most amazing things. Suddenly, I could see something that I couldn't really see. I mean, I could visualize the buildings and the houses and the modern gone, and I could see the city of David. I could see the Kidron Valley and the Mount of Olives. I could see where David's house would have been and the burial temples, and I could see where the, the temple would have sat and all these. I mean, it just suddenly, boom. I mean, it just made sense. It was—I mean—it was kind of a revelation type moment. It, it was revealed through this special experience, and it just changed it completely for me. Then you get to go and you—you you, you go walk through tunnels that—the actual tunnels that David came through and captured the city of Jerusalem. You walk through those things, and you go underground. You see, I pool pull and all these. And you finally see it, and it begins to just make sense to you. And you you can finally look beyond the modern and see the city. It's just amazing. It's really an experience. See, the same kind of thing happens in our walk with God. Sometimes we cannot see what God is doing. But God takes on, at times, His mysterious, His hidden will, thoughts, plans. And what does He do? Reveals them. He does it in special ways and special times by His determination. I mean, it's God's sovereignty to go, here's when I'm going to show you something new. Where does it begin? It begins with God showing you, here is the way to salvation. Now, every time God reveals something to us, it's always at odds with what we've known. Well, what the world says to do. I mean, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. The message of the cross, that we would believe in a Savior that came, lived a perfect life, died, rose again. That's how we get to heaven. The world says that's foolishness. And if we use kind of our human wisdom, the way we're used to living and how the world says to live, it seems like foolishness. But God's revelation is, this is salvation. And once we accept Christ and we have been given the spirit and the mind of Christ as we grow in him he reveals more of himself. That's so awesome. That is awesome that we to understand the thoughts, the plans of God is not about me trying to figure out the sign and trying to divine these special things of God. It is God's timing to reveal Himself. Now here's another awesome thing about it. Again, it tells us this comes right out of Scripture. This is not Greg talking. This is the Word of God talking. to that God's thoughts, His plan, His will is predestined. Now predestined is a... Kind of a scary word for some people because they don't like the idea that God planned it all out. That God did it all in advance. I guess my life has really it really means nothing because God knows what I'm going to do. No, so that's not what's going on. It says right there, it says God, those the wisdom of God was destined before time ever began. It means this, that God, before all things, he knew his thoughts His plan, His will over your life, but He still gives you the right to accept it or reject it. He he knows. He wants to give you the gift of salvation. He knows what He wants to turn you into. He knows what He wants to reveal to you about Himself and the special things. And He knows all these thoughts He has over you and how He's going to show you them. But He's not going to force you to walk that path. I mean, again, it, it mentioned it there in that passage you're reading about how the world rejects the wisdom of God because it seems like foolishness. They say, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to make up my own mind. I'm going to live by, why, by what I can figure out. How I can solve the problem, not by what I think God is telling me to do. God has pred- that predestined us. That should give us great comfort To know that God is not just making it up as he goes along. See, I kind of, I always like of myself that I I think I'm good under pressure. Like you put my back up against the wall and give me a situation last minute and I think I I perform well. I I can come up with ideas right under pressure at the last second. I like that about myself. But that's not who God is. God's not scrambling, okay, what do I do now? Oh, I got to figure it out. Oh, how do I solve their problem? They messed it up. I got to figure out what. That's not God. God is under control. He always has been, always will be. He knows His plans for you. They were set, they're ready. He wants to give them to you. He wants, to, he wants you to understand His thoughts, His plans, His ways. He's not going to force you to. Now, But there's one more part of this we understand. Another little kind of reference there in the passage that understands... Well, how do we really get this? How do we move from a place of just knowing that God has plans, has thoughts, has a will over my life and he, and that's been predestined and he's already here he already knows what those things are for me to understanding them. And you've been telling me, pastor, that I'm not supposed to go around looking for the signs and trying just to find the magical Bible verse and you know opening up the fortune cookie and seeing if this is what God's got for me today. So how am I supposed to do it? How am I supposed to understand these things? How am I supposed to be in a place that God can reveal Himself, His thoughts to me? It told us in Scripture. It told us right there. It says the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. What does that mean? You pursue God, not trying to get something out of him, not trying to say, all right, God, I'm coming after you so you can tell me the next thing to do. No, you love God and he responds. You know, we taught, we had this wonderful marriage workshop yesterday, and one of the great truths coming out of this is how the, the husband or the wife was to feed into the spouse, to I mean, to pr- pr- provide love, to look at the things that, that that partner needs and not be worried about what am I getting out of this in return, but to feed into the needs, to go love and go pursue that spouse, that person that is in your life, and watch how they respond. If I never try to feed into the needs of my wife, if I just simply say, well, I just need something, I'll just wait till she decides to give me the things I need. And I'll be nice to her when I want something. Is that going to be a very healthy relationship? I mean, we know it's not. But if we treat God the same way, God, I'm going to be nice to you, I'm going to show up to church, I'm going to act right, I'm going to start praying when I really need something from you, when I'm really trying just to find out the next step of this turmoil that I've gotten myself into. Is that really creating a healthy relationship? God is saying, come after me. Come love me. Come develop a relationship with me. Come and be happy just sitting in my presence and singing worship and letting me sing over you. Just, Just enjoy that. Don't try to come to me and just try to. So what else can I give you now? Wait a I? I gotta just. I gotta figure out the next thing. Sometimes I. I mean, I'm telling you, folks. I'm preaching to you, but I'm telling you this is comes right at me too. Sometimes I come. and I'm so broken and so hurting. Come for God, God. I just need to know what to do next, God. I just want you to tell me how to handle this. And He says to me so many times, I've just heard it so clearly. Greg, stop. Be quiet. Sit there and do nothing. Just be with me. And he's got to get me back to a place where I'm not pursuing God for what I can get out of it, but pursuing God because I want a relationship with him. And then, then, when I'm not expecting it, not looking for it, not knowing what's next, God reveals. God shows. He gives the blessing. Oh, God, this is what you're doing. Thank you. And when I treat God in that way, I want to keep with Him. If I come to Him saying, all right, God, I'm coming to you because I need something, and if I get it, what good is that? I'll just come back to God the next time I need something. That's not the type of relationship He's wanting from us. He has given us the mind of Christ. He has given us access to who He is and His thoughts and His plans and His will over us. And He simply says, if you want this, if you want my things, if you want my direction and want to know my plans over you, just be with me. Just pursue me. Just have a relationship with me. Let me take care of when it's time to reveal it. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. He says, that's how the world lives. The world, the rest of the world, those who do not have the mind of Christ, that's how they live. And it's not doing them very good. I mean, that type of living crucified the Son of God. It does us no good. It's foolishness. The people there in the church of Corinth, these people we've been talking about for all these weeks, they've been living a pretty foolish way. Why? Because of their sin. Because of their pride. Because of their desire to live the way they wanted to do. Paul's been trying to tell them, it's not so much about you. Would you just stop? And go back and cultivate a relationship with God. You have been given access to God through Jesus Christ. Just dwell in that. Just worship in that. And watch how He comes. Watch how He reveals. And He shows you what's next. I know, see, the world says, that's so foolish. Because we treat every other relationship in our life as, what can I get out of it? What can I get out of this person, this job, this situation, this church? What do I get out of it? What do I get back? And God says, don't treat me like that. How dare we? How dare I? Because I've done it too many times. That's foolishness. What God wants is for you to enjoy the relationship you have with Him. Now, I hope that you can say this morning, I know I have the mind of Christ, even if you don't feel like you do, but you know you do if you are in Christ. Scripture tells us you've been given the mind of Christ. Paul told the Corinthians there, and they were in a heap full of sin and mess. But they, for those who had given their lives to Christ, those who have been saved, they had the mind of Christ, whether they chose to use it or not. I hope you can point your life and say, yes, I had Jesus, so I have this. But if you haven't made the decision, how are you going to even begin to understand what God has for you? You're trying to come to God, and you're missing the crucial step, the only step. The one that matters, the one that makes all the difference in the world. Having jesus because you don't get access to the thoughts the plans the will of god without coming to the son the savior you have to have it i challenge you this morning i challenge myself this morning how are you cultivating how are you pursuing a relationship with god not just a relationship that seeks to what can i get from you What can I hear from you? You tell me what's next. But just a relationship. How are you pouring your heart into Him? Just like you would do with your spouse, your friends, your children. Just like you pour into them. Try that with God. Let Him reveal to you. Some awesome things will happen. Let's pray together this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are just more than overwhelmed and just thrilled and awestruck to be in your house and in your presence. God, and I know I speak this morning as one who has probably as worse as bad as anybody try to come to you with an attitude of God, I need this. God, won't you tell me what comes next? And God, I need to understand your plan and your will. And what are you saying here? And I have done that too many times. i try to treat you just like the like the candy machine. I I just come to you when I really want something. And I come to you and I pay my due. A prayer. And I try not to sin too much. And I try to And I'm just hoping you give me something good. (laughs) And I'll walk away. Go back to living on my own. Living by my way. Until something happens again. God, what kind of relationship is that? That's not why you saved me or why you saved any of us to have that kind of relationship with us. God, you... You want us just to sit in your presence and, and to, just to be with you and, and just to pour out our heart to you and, and you just to be over us and God just to do all these just to pursue a relationship with you to enjoy love with you and all this and God in you in your timing by your sovereign hand will reveal. You will speak, you will show. God, help teach us to to be in that type of place and with that type of heart and attitude that we would come and just want to sit at your feet in worship. God, we thank you for the foolish things you have called us to do. What the world says is foolish, what the world says is crazy, what the world says is nonsense. God, we thank you for them. The world says it's foolish to believe in a risen Savior. The world says it's foolish to dedicate our lives and to not just do what we feel like we should do, or yeah, but to go by your standard, to seek the, the right things. And we're living in a world that more and more wants to live by their foolish ways. God, give us confidence to live in the ways you've called us, in the ways you reveal to us. God, we thank you that we have this opportunity just to be before you. God, move us into your time of response. We pray this by Jesus' name. Amen.